You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. going on people welcome to pain points a canis hoopers podcast proudly brought to you by sb nation network today we are going to get into some lottery thoughts the timberwolves have won the lottery for the first time they've, uh, the first time they've ever moved up in franchise history just the second time they'll be picking first if they they do keep the pick to join me to, to discuss all that stuff is jack warman canis hoopers contributor what's going on jack Doing well, man. Life's always better when the Sixers are losing. <laughs> exactly right. And the so Timberwolves the Six- winning the lottery. <laughs> yes, it's it's been a good couple of days in, in the basketball world that the basketball gods are finally in our favor. So today we're going to do a little bit of a hows and growls, which is just our, our likes and dislikes. So we may as well jump straight into it. I know we've both got a lot of thoughts on the lottery. Everyone's pretty excited about the news. It's definitely spiced up the off-season a fair bit, so... Um, why don't you get into your first how, Jack, and, and we'll just go from there. All right. So for me, uh, the first how was the basketball gods don't hate us. Um, <laughs> and I think it's important that the Timberwolves got lucky here for, for a lot of reasons that we'll get into. But, um, you know, I think that you could really have made an argument that the Timberwolves were kind of on a train, a, a train to mediocre town. Um before the lottery, um, it looked like they weren't going to have enough assets to really go out and get uh, a young star, whether it be Ben Simmons or, or Karis LeVert or or Devin Booker, um, and and you know we weren't really thinking too much about oh the Wolves could trade back and and do this and that because um, you know we were just all assuming that it would be the sixth or seventh pick, but. Um, I think the fact that, that we got a little lucky is, is just awesome because, uh, it just breathes such a much needed breath of fresh air into the franchise, into the fan base. Um, and you know, I think Ryan Saunders said, um, uh, said it really, really well last night that, um, you know, I think he gave a quote to, um, he gave a quote to John Krasinski, um, this today, I think, um, and, and, and it said something about, or something kind of along the lines of, um, you know, the least we can do, or like, it's, it's great that this fan base got a smile because they, they so, they so badly needed one or, or something like that. Um, and, and I couldn't agree with him more just because, you know, Minneapolis has been through quite a bit, uh, in the last five months and, um, haven't really had Wolves basketball to help, you know, <laughs> bring people a sense of joy. And I think even being able to deliver people a smile for one night and, and give people a newfound sense of hope, um, for, you know, the next eight weeks or whenever, whenever the draft is going to end up being, 
um, I think is just really, really big for, for the franchise uh, in, in trying to re-engage a fan base that, that has been desperately clamoring for relevancy and, and, and high-level talent uh, in the building. Yeah, I think it's it's not very often where I guess I, I leap off my couch and, and scream when I'm watching anything to do with the, the Timberwolves, well, scream in a good way. <laughs> and and that happened yes that happened yesterday and it was it was really just fun and it gives the fans like you said the fans something to to think about and to hope about and to dream about and it gives us as writers and fans as well something to talk about and, and content to produce and it's just there's really no downside to getting the the top pick and I know that they had the uh, they had fourteen percent chance of, to get it to get it which was the same as Cleveland and, and Golden State but. It still just felt like all the years of, of the lottery gods kind of, you know, raining down fire upon us to, to actually give us something to, to smile about and give us something to rejoice in was, was really a, a refreshing change. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully it's just a sign of some positive things to come because, you know, there's, there's so many things that the Timberwolves need to have go right, I think, to really get on a path to the playoffs and, and where they ultimately want to be. Um, and, and for me, I don't necessarily know that that's, that's a championship team, but um, I, I definitely think it could be a, a team that, that is, that is in the playoffs for five, six, seven years in a row. Um, if they, if they get the right pieces around, uh, around Cat and D'Lo. And, and this is obviously step one and, and gives the team, you know, so many different options and and so much, so much flexibility with with how they want to try and build the team going forward. And that is, you know, dating back to when Tibbs was here, was definitely something that, that the team just did not have. So, um, so yeah, I'm I'm hyped for it, and and it's gonna be it's gonna be, you know, a, a really great thing for for the team and the in the and the players here and in the franchise. So. Yeah, well, um, that kind of, it kind of ties into my first how, which is just that it's another show of of team potential and, and uh, you know, well built team building, if that makes sense, to to show to to Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. I think the the biggest fear with this team is that Towns and I guess to a lesser extent uh, Russell are looking for a way out of things if if they don't start to improve, and this is just another way for them to get to where they need to be which, like you said, is at least in the playoffs, at least show Towns that he can be the kind of player that that continually have some success in the league. I mean, you, you're always going to hear the, the trade rumours and the he wants out, he wants to go to a big market. That'll, that'll stay for as long as this team remains irrelevant and talent asset and acquisition is key to showing both he and Russell that that that's where this team is headed in the right direction and lucking into a number one pick is always the best way to acquire elite talent for free. I mean, obviously you, you can, you, it's a crapshoot, the draft and especially this one, but it's, it's a free asset in certain ways. I mean, I know they had to lose a lot of games to get there, but it's not like they had to trade anyone. They don't have to, you know, add immediate salary to their, or, or big salary to their roster so it's it's just an easy way to acquire talent for free or acquire an asset for free and they still need to use it correctly obviously there's no guarantees they will if the history of this franchise suggests anything is that they probably won't but 
it's definitely a step in the right direction, and I think it should motivate both of those guys heading into the future. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, because, like, like I said, I think that so many of us, you know, just went into this thinking that, you know, the Timberwolves are just gonna, you know, the Timberwolves are just gonna end up with the sixth or seventh pick and have to hope for the best. Um, and, you know, that obviously hasn't been the case so far. Obviously we got the number one pick and, and just being able to being able to have so many more options available to us, I think is really great. Um, that was, that was my, that was my second, second one. Um, you know, you just have so many different doors that have been opened up, um, which I think has been, you know, something that, that is huge for, for the front office. It really gives the front office an opportunity to, you know, get aggressive and think about how, how they want to, how they want to build the future of this team, whether it be through a trade, whether it be trading back or, or, you know, trading for another player or, um, or actually making a selection at number one or at a different point in the draft, I think is going to be, is going to be something that that's just interesting to watch. Um, I think, there's so many different ways that you can go about it and attack it and and it'll just be really really fun to see and um and the other thing that i want to bring up too with you know the different opportunities i guess that the team has available to them um something that i i think that too many people have ruled out uh is trading back because i think we all know that that the 2021 draft is is such a better is such a better draft than, than the 2020 draft, at least at the top. Um, and the opportunity to either trade back into it and then use that asset and trade back up higher into the first round next year would be something that would be interesting um, to see as well. And something that, that I would almost deem is potentially the most likely scenario, just because I think, you know, and this is something that, that I was talking to, to Kyle Tige and Mike about um, was that, you know, I, I think the two, even if you trade back, that doesn't mean that you still can't package that asset for, you know, for another player or a draft pick next year or what have you. Um, because chances are, if the Timberwolves trade back, you're looking at either Golden State at two, you might look at a team like Chicago at four or, um, or the Knicks at eight. Um, so I, I, just all the different scenarios that you can go through has been awesome. Um, and kind of building off of what you're talking about with, um, with just the potential, <laughs> with like the potential of Cat and D'Lo and showing them, um, showing them that. I, I thought that the fact that D'Angelo Russell just unabashedly tampered on live television was outstanding <laughs> last night. Um, he mentioned that, <laughs> that the, that the team can be a home for young guys coming in, uh, or young guys coming up, he said, or some all-star guys coming in was what he said. And it just takes me back to like D'Angelo Russell's in Malibu right now. Devin Booker is also in Malibu right now. And D'Lo has been in Miami all summer long. He he's come up to Minneapolis a few times, but, but man, I, and Cat had, Cat had been out in LA until uh, today, Friday. Um, and, and a Kogi was out there this week with Wiggins too. Like, um, it just makes me wonder, you know, why, why D'Angelo Russell is out there in LA. I, I'm sure he wants to hang with book and, and hasn't really gotten an opportunity to, with the Suns being in the bubble and all that. But 
man, I, I just, it makes me wonder like why, why, why now? And how is an interesting time for him to, to go out to Malibu and, and hang out there? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely one of the things that's just going to keep pouring fuel on the Devin Booker trade rumors fire. Uh, and even, you know, the, the Ben Simmons kind of stuff is floating around a bit more now as well. I mean, the number one pick is just, just a more attractive asset to dangle in front of any team. And that's, that's the, the truth of it. So I'd like to see what, what they can do. Like you said, I, I really am intrigued with the idea that you just brought up about trading back in the draft and then potentially even moving that pick again, because you could, you could potentially move, you know, to, to eight with New York. And then someone someone who's not in the draft or who's a bit later who's still trying to acquire a really high end role player like a like a Vassell or an, or an Isaac Okoro, they could potentially give you their their first round pick next year, and then all of a sudden you've you've traded back, you've got an asset from New York and a pick, and then you move that pick and get another you know another pick next year in a, in a class that's widely regarded as stronger, especially at the top, and, and maybe the lottery you know lady luck. Just, gives you a tap on the shoulder again and says it's your time to come up to into the top three. Um, maybe, maybe like that's, that's the real, I think that's really Gerson Rose's mantra is that kind of, uh, wholesale talent acquisition. So it, it, it would be interesting to see what they do. I definitely wouldn't rule out moving back in the draft either. I think there's a lot of options, especially if teams that fall in love with a guy like LaMelo Ball or, or James Wiseman or Anthony Edwards and they, they know that they will have to be in the top three and there's no better place to be in the top three, obviously, than number one. So I just think that there's just, like you said, there's just so many doors have just been open. Yeah, and the other thing, too, that, that you're talking about with potentially the Knicks was I, I wanted to bring up a trade offer that um, that I saw in The Athletic. I think John Hollinger was was the one that suggested this. Um, and And it was pretty interesting along the lines of, of, uh, of trading back. And so what the trade was essentially is that the Knicks get the number one pick from Minnesota. Um, the Warriors get number eight from the Knicks, 17 from Minnesota, and Mitchell Robinson from the Knicks. And then the Timberwolves get number two from Golden State and their own 2021 first round pick back from Golden State that they traded uh, in the D'Angelo Russell deal. That would be awesome. That that would be. I I don't think you can come up with a better trade. Um, to be quite honest with you, um, I mean, obviously, like getting Devin Booker or Ben Simmons would be sweet, but I think a deal like this is probably much more likely, and and is something that not only gives you more room to operate this year, but also, essentially, getting the number one pick could make last year's trade just. Andrew Wiggins for D'Angelo Russell, which I think the Timberwolves, yeah. like if, if you could have told me that we could essentially get off of Wiggins for free and get D'Angelo Russell, I would have told you you were on some type of crazy drugs and would have asked to get some myself. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's just, it, it's this, it just makes everything so interesting and just un, unlocks just a, an, an, un, on like an unearthed realm of opportunities for the Timberwolves that they haven't had with a creative front office, which is, which I'm, I'm excited about knowing that, knowing that we have the front office that we do. The more, the more I watch and hear and read about 
next year's class, the more I I worry about that pick that that they gave up to give to get Zanzo Russell. I still think it was a, a fairly good deal because Wigan's contract just seemed untradeable, and clearly his time in Minnesota had come to an end, and it was never going to you know bring anything more fruitful than it already had, which was not much at all. So. But uh, but I worry just that 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 number four pick if you know if it falls outside the top three and Minnesota do have to give it to Golden State, uh, I worry that it's going to end up a really good player. So any deal that brings back a first round pick in next year's class, especially if it's from a team that could potentially be pretty bad, um, that really intrigues me. Especially a team like New York. Like I know I tweeted out a, a trade that that a lot of people disagreed with from both sides, which usually means it's either really bad or it's actually good because both teams don't want to do it. Both fan bases don't want to do it. But say if you could somehow like get New York's first round pick next year, you know, because they want Lamelo Ball so bad this year or, or they want to get off a, off a guy like Frank Nilekina and they, and they believe in a guy like Derek Culver, that's something I'd do in a heartbeat. Any, any deal that brings back a, a potentially high first round pick in the 2021 class, is um that's a win for me, especially if you can if you can grab a a pick in this year's class two from it. Yeah, hundred percent. I think still having seventeen is going to be is going to be a good piece moving forward, um, and should definitely be something that I think you could package with a guy like Culver. Like I would package seventeen and Culver right now to to get a first round pick next year from you know a team like. I don't. I don't even know. I don't want to. I don't want to throw like a random team out there, like the Spurs, maybe like a team that's probably not going to yeah, make the like playoffs. Yeah, like a Sacramento or someone. Right, a hundred percent. And I think too that that when you start thinking about the twenty twenty one draft and next year, um, it it just makes things more complicated because having a pick next year is, is such a great asset, and and it really unlocks the door for more. <laughs> for you know more options to to get in the to get in the door for like a Bradley Beal or a Ben Simmons uh, type of deal, which I which I think the Timberwolves are absolutely going to try and get in on, um, and and I think and I think too that that's why a, tra- a trade back scenario obviously just becomes so much more important uh, than than a lot of other options because it just it a- gives you that added flexibility. Um, which is sweet. And it's, it's just so crazy how much the conversation has changed in the last week or even, even the last like 48 hours, uh, with, with different things that the wolves can do, which is, I, I it's just, I excited. This is just the only way I can put it. I'm having trouble putting my thoughts together really coherently because I'm just so excited about it. <laughs> yeah. It's been a whirlwind couple of days. The one thing I, I haven't enjoyed, I guess, is, is all the talk before, and also, sorry if you can hear noise in my background. I'm in the middle of like a mini hurricane out, outside my window, so like there's banging around. But um, <laughs> oh, I can't hear anything. A lot of people that have, you know would always tell me like you know we we want to get one of the lower picks or like you know this draft's crap. And then now it's like any trade scenario that I bring up, it's like no, that's not enough for the number one pick. But it's like, well, it was you know the number one pick was nothing a few days ago to any of these people. But I digress. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, like another one of my house, which is a lot of these housing that tie, house and grouse will tie into each other, I think. But mine was, was pretty much along those lines where it's like just getting the pick of the bunch is a how for me. That just gives you, you know, no matter how shallow the, dra- the draft is, especially up top, um, you, you don't have a better chance to get a star. They do pick, you know, stay and use the pick. You still don't have a better chance to get 
that star than at the number one pick. I mean, I I don't know the, the statistics, but I'd say traditionally number one picks always, you know, give you there's more stars picked at number at the number one pick than any other pick, and that's because a lot of them are surefire things. But even without one, you still get the best chance to get a good player. And not only that, but but it's just a sexier asset to, to dangle in front of any other teams as a trade chip. Yeah, and, I don't know if it's and uh, the important the other thing I'd add is like it gives you the best chance to get a, a great player, and that's not limited to the draft. That could yeah, include exactly. that could include a trade or, or what have you. So yeah, I, I mean it's it's not it might not be likely to net them a star, you know, just because of the perceived weakness, not on its own, but you package that with other assets, especially like we like going back to the the trading down. Like I think uh, Bleacher Report, which are notorious for pretty bad trade ideas, but they had one uh, that was like you know if Atlanta want want the the hometown kid, they give Minnesota six uh, and and Kev- Kevin Herter, and they I think there was an extra like a first round pick in like twenty twenty two or something, which I, I don't think they'd have to add in to be honest, because if you get you get Herter and and that pick six, then you can flip that to Philly, you know, plus Derek Culver, plus 17, and you've just added another actual asset, a shooter who Philly could use and, and maybe, you know, more first down the line for, for Ben Simmons or someone in that, that realm. I mean, just gain, gaining assets and then moving them and flipping them and just kind of putting an extra cent, a cent, one cent, one cent until you get to a dollar. That seems to be the way that... that they're they're looking at it, and that would be the way that I would, I'd be looking at it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that Ben Simmons is probably the most likely big star that the Timberwolves could acquire. Um, I I think it might get tough if you know a team like Golden State or Oklahoma City got into the mix, just because they might might be able to help Philly. Uh, you know, might be able to help Philly in the long run rather than right now. But I think that 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 Philly team is probably thinking you know, more of an immediate, you know, guys that can give them more of an immediate help. Um, yeah, I don't think they're looking to go into a rebuild with Joel Embiid. Which is why I think the Minnesota is an interesting target as a third team. Um, yeah. Because if you go with a team like Oklahoma City, it was a trade that, that I threw out there yesterday um, that I think was pretty interesting. Um, you know, at, at, the, at its core... You know, the, the main pieces that are getting swapped here are Ben Simmons comes to Minnesota, uh, Philly gets CP3, the number one pick, and Malik Beasley, and then Oklahoma City gets Al Horford, Jarrett Culver, a 2023 first from Minnesota, and, and Wancho, which I think would be a pretty pretty darn good return for, for everybody there, um, especially considering CP3 was seen as a crazy negative asset about a year ago yeah and i think uh, that's what when when people are saying yeah that's not enough for oklahoma city i think the thing you gotta remember is that chris paul still is on a terrible contract i mean he was awesome this year absolutely awesome and he's probably second team all nba but he's still on 40 million plus a year and he's you know in his mid-30s so he's yeah the, he's 35 and, yeah and, and oklahoma city like i'll be very surprised if they don't look to move him at one of the next two trade, you know, trade periods, because he's just he just doesn't fit their timeline. I mean, he's helping them right now, but they're not going to win a championship with him. They're, they're probably going to lose in the first round, and he is. If you can get actual assets back for him, you know, first round picks, 
young players like a like a Culver or a young player from any other team. I just I'd be very surprised if Chris Paul isn't moved within the next you know twelve months. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think that there comes to be a certain point where you've got to you know look in the mirror and say we've got all right we've got to sell high here. And, and he would be the perfect guy to just throw into a three team trade, like you said, like you do you put him on Philly who are in win now mode. You also give them Beasley who gives them a shooter who's still young and the fir- and the first overall pick. Like that if they're looking at all to move Ben Simmons and to try and really work this team around and beat, that's that's the basis of a deal right there. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's I, I think that's probably the most interesting start that I can come up with off the top of my head, but that's also because I'm incredibly biased and would love to see Ben Simmons yeah. end up here. Uh, yeah, exactly. We can, but, ne- we can never truly be, you know, straight up about it because we're clearly Minnesota fans. Yeah, but again, just comes back to like, and, that, and that's pretty much my third howl, um, that it just gives the, the front office a unique opportunity to shine um, in that, I personally trust the front office a lot more to trade than to draft. And because of that, I think I get more excited about having the number one pick and the pro- the real prospect of just being able to, to trade the pick um, and come up with something interesting. And so I yeah. hope, I hope that, I hope that we end up trading it. I, I think that if we ended up keeping that pick, uh, it would end up, I think it would be seen as a failure if we kept that pick. That would mean we failed at doing anything else more creative with it. Um, and when there's not, you know, a surefire slam dunk prospect, I think the best thing you can do is try and maximize the asset. And and in, in my opinion, and I'm sure that you'll agree, um, making a selection at number one is not maximizing the asset. No, not at all. And I think the only the only way it would be. And, and I guess we would never know this because we don't have, you know, we're not on on the conference call with Minnesota when they're talking to other teams. But the only way that picking at number one would be is if they just plain straight up could not find a deal that would bring back anything but a, a middling, you know, mediocre type of player. And that would be just because GMs don't value this pick as highly as they would with, with any other number one pick. And that might be the case. It might not. Who knows? I don't know how GMs are thinking, but... I think I think if there's if there's any way they can get a, a real needle mover with the no one pick, they, they'll do it because I I agree with you. I, I trust them more with trades. I think they've already shown that they can work a good deal. I mean, Sachin Gupta is has a reputation for working good deals. Gerson Roses has has made some great trades in um, in Houston along with Dale Morey, and and they just um they they just seem like a, a front office that really. It's not, not I guess, fully uh, dipped into win now mode, but they're they're definitely ready to get into win now mode. And if that means they can they can do it this off season by acquiring a, a good player who's already established in the league, then I think they definitely will. And yeah, the only way I see them picking number one is if they really can't find a deal that that moves the needle, and they just think, well, you know, screw it, let's just pick at number one and hope that Anthony Edwards or Lamelo Ball or etc. work out. Yeah, and I mean you can always trade him too after the draft if you need to. Um, yeah, and you could always trade him. You know, you can trade him three months into the season. Like if Lamelo Ball comes out and he's he's a, a really good player, but you still think that you can get someone that's going to help you quicker, you can trade him at the trade deadline. Like 
It's which would that I don't has that ever been has that ever happened before? I, I don't know. I, I I would say no, just because teams fall in love with young players as as a lot of us do. You know what I mean? Like we're very quick to crown a rookie yeah, as the next big thing. So I think teams are pretty like willing to to keep that. I guess they don't want to. You don't want to draft Jar Morant and then trade him for you know, Ben Simmons and then John Moran in five years ends up a, a top five player, which I don't think will happen. But, you know, I guess you don't want to, you, you look at, you make yourself look like a fool pretty quickly if you trade a rookie six months into his contract and he ends up a, a superstar. Yeah, that would be, <laughs> that would be something else. But I mean, if you, if you're thinking about a trade line and a trade deadline deal, like in the Suns are bad next year, um, it's definitely Lamelo Ball was good, or, or Anthony Edwards is good. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely an interesting conversation for sure. Yeah. So, um, so my third how was a little bit different. I guess still related to the Timberwolves, but more in a in a different sense. Is that all all of the West teams that weren't Minnesota either stayed in their place in the draft odds or moved down in the case of Golden State. So Memphis stayed at fourteen. That pick will go to Boston. Sacramento, San Antonio, New Orleans, Phoenix, they all stayed between that 10 and 14 range. So as much as that's, you know, that was to, kind of to be expected, it's, it's hard in the Western Conference right now. And Minnesota need all the help they can get to compete in that bloodbath. And even something as minor as those teams not jumping into the top four. I mean, any of these, those teams had that small percentage to jump into the top four and that, all of a sudden, that makes them very hard to compete with next season and in seasons after that. So, and Minnesota are going to need to be better than probably all of those teams. They're going to need to be better than Memphis, Sacramento, San Antonio, Pelicans, Suns. Like they, that, their teams, they need to beat to play playoffs eventually. And and those teams not grabbing a top four pick and having all the same sort of opportunities that we've spoken about throughout the podcast with with the higher pick. Is, is a win for Minnesota, and albeit a minor one, it still could be significant in the future. 100%. Yeah, so um, I think, I just think that you it was, you couldn't go wrong, really. It, it was a perfect draft night for Minnesota. Outside of Golden State, obviously, who were always going to get a, a high pick, and, and they're going to be really good next year with, with Curry back and Clay back, and a pick or they'll probably I'm guessing they'll look to trade it as well they'll, they'll be in probably a lot of the same trade talks that that Minnesota are locked in but it's it just seems like a, a good thing that that nothing went wrong last night and that's that's probably the first time I've ever said that the day after a draft lottery yeah I, it's amazing to me to come up with to think about that yeah, so enough with all the positive talk. We're, we're Minnesota Timberwolves <laughs> fans. We don't talk positive, but half an hour is enough of positive talk. What are some things that, that concerned you last night? What are your growls when it, come, when it comes to the Wolves draft lottery? Like, to put it bluntly, like, if we like if the, we mess this up, the Timberwolves are kind of fucked. Like, <laughs> if, like this is really... It's, it's, it's so exciting, but it's also terrifying because... If the Timberwolves push all their chips to the middle on like a Drew Holiday or like a Karis Levert or or somebody like that and, and the and the team just doesn't mesh well. Um I, you know, I would really 
you know, it would be really tough. Like this is, this is really the last shot I think the Wolves have at being able to create a really positive and sustainable future moving forward. And without that, um, you know, and if you mess that up and you, and you don't have that future, then, you know, then you're looking at the Timberwolves losing Cat and D'Angelo Russell and being right back to square one. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough, tough sledding if, if, if somehow they mess this up and either select the wrong guy or make a terrible trade or end up holding, like end up trading this pick for like a, a pick next year and the pick next year doesn't end up being good. Um, and then you're left with, you know, nothing really to add to this core. Um, so I, I think that's kind of where I, how I look at it. Like it's really the last chance that they have to, to <laughs> like spice up the team before, before Kat and D'Lo start thinking. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Yeah, I'll I'll lump my growl, my first growl into that as well because it's, it's virtually the same thing. Is that it, it might be the num the most pressure they've ever had on a on a pitch. Like they they've had high pitch before. They've had picks in better drafts. You know they they've had number one picks, but this is the first one that, that the blessing of the top pick has really had this amount of of pressure as a curse along with it. I mean. It's the team's kind of precariously placed where it's a team that needs to improve and, and appease its stars and its fan base. And there's there's no room for error, whether it's trading or drafting the pick or, like you said, drafting, you know, draft, uh, trading it for next for a pick next year or trading it for a, a you know, quasi star who's not quite there yet. It's it's just they can't mess this up. Like you said, it's, it's, it's an enormous asset to have. And, Screwing it up will just alienate this fan base even more than it's already alienated, and that's that's an untenable amount to, to alienate and, a fan and, and base. With, because... And with next season potentially being held without fans, um, alienating a fan base that you're not going to be able to have back in the arena next year, or for at least part of the year, I think would be a pretty nightmare nightmarish situation. Yeah, it's it's just. You just can't do it. <laughs> it's as bluntly as it is. Like, it's just you cannot stuff this up because they need talent and they need to appease D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Towns. They cannot go into another five-year rebuild, not without at least you know a, a playoff appearance or two. Like they, at the very least, they can't they can't max out at tenth seed and and have Anthony Edwards, who's not very good, or or Lamelo Ball, who doesn't want work out. Or, or James Wiseman, who doesn't fit next to Cat, or like you said, they trade it for for a Karis LeVert or a Drew Holiday, and those guys don't hit the peaks that they've hit, you know, this year, or, or in LeVert's case, in the bubble. It's just yeah, there's there's not much more to say to it than than this has got a lot of pressure attached to it, and let's see how this front office works out. I mean, they if they draft someone 
it's not all their fault because you know the, the top three in the, in the draft or the top 10, uh, none of them are guaranteed to be stars at all. But especially if they trade the pick, if they trade the pick and the player doesn't work out and the player who gets picked at number one becomes a star, that is the worst case scenario. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I think that it would be such a Timberwolves thing if that were to happen. Um, yeah, like I, I, I half expect it to happen just because I'm, I'm accustomed to that. Yeah, dude. Who knows? <laughs> um, <laughs> my goodness. All right. So are we back? Are we back to you for your first growl, or did you? Uh, nah, you go yours. Uh, that was kind of mine as well. So okay. we'll just lump those in together. Sweet. Um. Yeah. For me. Um. Uh, Mine is that there. I think there's a legitimate concern that you know Ben Simmons or Devin Booker aren't available, and that we're kind of left out to dry, and that um, in terms of the trade market, we're kind of left out to dry. And there, you know, there's not really a big fish that that fits really well with the team that can be had at a reasonable rate, um, and that and and that you know you could bring in here that Cat and Delo would get fired up about. Um, and really without that, I think that you start to run the risk of like, you know, feel, feeling, feeling a ton of pressure to just make a move because you're able to make a move rather than making a move that makes sense, that fits this timeline that they want to fit, that can play well with Carl and D'Angelo that, you know, the fans will really enjoy. So I, I think that. And you kind of see that with Tibbs, like Tibbs, Tibbs comes in and and kind of feels like he has to to make a splash and goes out and gets Jimmy Butler and and kind of mortgages the future a little bit. And I just really don't, and I don't think Rosas is going to do this because I trust him a ton. I trust him way more to make a trade than to draft a guy, like I said. Um, but yeah, I just I hope that they're very cautious and deliberate and picky about which guys they decide to go after. Yeah, I, I, I'm just not sure there's a lot of guys that are, that are on the market. I mean, I don't know if this is just, I guess, recency bias, but it just feels like there's, there's no stars that could be had, really. Like, I know we, we talk about Booker and we talk about Simmons, but even those guys seem to be long shots. Like, a lot of things would need to go Minnesota's way for that, those deals to actually go through. And these, go, these deals happen out of the blue all the time. I mean... No one thought Paul George was going to leave uh, Oklahoma City and and, and you know, Westbrook been too, plenty of, Yeah, Westbrook. And there's been plenty of these kind of deals that have come out of the blue before, but it just feels like there's no real real star that, that is definitely unhappy. I mean, Booker was the guy, but now Phoenix looks so much better after the bubble and their fan base and, and potentially Booker himself is rejuvenated. I mean, Simmons is still a very good player and... And Philly getting, you know, smashed out of the park in, in the playoffs probably doesn't even bode well for for him to be traded. I mean, I I think I'd it probably does. suggest I'd probably suggest that if they won with Embiid or at least got closer, that then at least Elton Brand and the, and the Sixers front office could argue themselves into thinking, well, you know, these guys have always been a clunky fit, and now we see that that Embiid is better with a te- with a different team around him which is still probably the case because they would need to actually build the team around Embiid rather than having a team that had Simmons on it and now it doesn't and has no one to replace him but I don't know it just 
it's just like Bradley Beal has you know signed signed a big deal to the extension in Washington. And Short term, I, but yeah, yeah, and I, de- I I think he would still be up for trade, but probably maybe at the trade deadline. I think it depends how he and Wall look together or, or how Wall looks in general. I agree. Coming off two years of injury. But it just like that was my my third growl. So again, I'll just lump this in because we we're very we're on the same thought path today. But it just it just seems unlikely that that anything that really moves the needle is going to be available via trade, and that scares me because exactly like I completely with, agree with what you said with a star, just, anyways. Yeah, for a star, and I don't want them to just move an extremely valuable asset for a guy who they who they who isn't a star or who isn't potentially a star just because they feel like they need to move, you know, make a trade. They need to win 12 more games next season or they need to, you know, scrape into the eighth seed, which I don't think Rosas as well. I don't think he has that kind of short-sightedness the same way that Tibbs did, but it still scares me. It just, it's a, it's a very, they're teetering on the edge of, of making a great move or making a bad move, and it really could go either way. Yeah, and I think it, I it's it's tough because, like, you're kind of playing with fire a little bit if you trade back, because you could seeming like I think you're I don't think you're necessarily playing with fire if you trade back and you get a pick in like the top ten this year and you also get a pick next year or something like that, um, but. I think you're playing with fire a little bit if you trade back and you get like a player that you don't love uh, in a trade. Like, let's say you trade back to like four with Chicago, and then you know the first three are Lamelo, Anthony Edwards, and Devin Vassell, and you're at four, and you could get like Wiseman, Akongwu, Hayes, uh, or Okoro, or someone like that. All guys that aren't necessarily hand and glove fits. Um, I think it would just be tough, and I think if you if you go to trade back, you've got to be damn well sure that you can either flip those assets right away in another trade, or you know that you're going to be able to to do something in next year's draft or get something lined up. But you know the way again, it goes back to like the same way. You know, you have D'Lo saying are all star guys coming in here. I think it's very clear that the Timberwolves want to get better through the trade market, and that they don't want to rely on the draft to have to get better. And, um, but, but again, like if, like you said, if, if none of those guys are available, you start to worry about Rosa's rushing this and, and potentially missing out on another year of the playoffs and, and just feels like he needs to force it and goes for like a Drew Holiday or, or somebody like that. That's, that's a really overpaid, um, but and I love Drew Holiday, but I just don't think so that, do I. that he's that he's the fit for this team. I, 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 I like he's fit, but he's age, and there's no like New Orleans aren't just you know shipping out Drew Holiday for nothing. Like you have to pay for Drew Holiday, and I don't think well the number, number one, one pick is enough. Uh, is I think it's too much. Or the, yeah, that's what I was going to say. And, and Drew and Drew Holiday is exactly the type of guy where if like you trade back to four, and then you trade four for Drew Holiday. And then you have a first round pick next year. You get like Chicago's first round pick next year. Yeah. I think that would be that, an interesting one, but at the same yeah. time I think Drew is still a negative asset as in terms of his contract. Um I just think he's paid way too much. But that's Yeah, just and he's definitely you know, he's I am not 
I don't have his age in front of me, but I think it's 29 or 30. So he's not, I'm not a huge, you know, timeline kind of guy. Like you bring in good players, good players, good players, whether they're 20 or they're, you know, 28, that doesn't bother me as much. But for a guy who's on a, on a max contract heading into his 30 plus seasons, uh, that, that scares me a little bit. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like what other guys do you think are, let's rush this and, and make a deal because I feel like we have to make a deal. Like, what are other guys do you think off the top of your head that might be like that? Uh, the Karis Levert one, which I know Dane Moore spoke about on his podcast, that that's the one that I immediately thought, like, please don't do that because, I mean, he's injury prone. He's fun, you know, but he's also inconsistent. I mean... He's very it's, inconsistent. It, yeah, it's, it's easy to just watch eight games in the bubble and think that this is like this is what Karis Levert is or this is what Phoenix are all the time. But that's just not the truth. Like Phoenix were terrible all season and Karis yeah. Levert was injured and inconsistent all season. That that's a huge sample size to just ignore. Yeah, and what and, and what I do like about that is that um you know I think Karis is competitive as hell and he's kept Brooklyn in games by himself. Uh, here in the bubble, which I think is awesome. Yeah. And I think that type of fighter and a guy who's that competitive and just wills his team and makes guys around him better, I think would be a great guy to have on the Timberwolves. But I would love to see a guy do that more consistently. If that makes sense, yeah, just it, like you're saying. Yeah, no. so. yeah, it, yeah, completely. And it's not that I don't want Karis LeVert on the Timberwolves. And just like, like I spoke about in the last podcast, and I was going to mention him again just now, like, I don't not want Miles Turner on the Timberwolves, but I'm not overpaying for either of those guys, and certainly not the number one pick. Like I think you, you uh, still a chance to get one of those guys for the 17th pick plus Culver plus you know another asset. Just because, but I don't think it's it's so hard because it's you don't want you're not going probably not going to get Devin Booker for the first pick unless it's a three team trade or unless it's you know he demands a trade, but. Even but that, you still got to get up a lot more. Yeah, and Karis LeVert and Miles Turner just seem like not not enough for the number one pick. So it's it's somewhere in between there. That's that's why you know that one of our growls for both of us was just that it's it's there's, we're not sure whether they will, they can get a legitimate player for for the price, and, and I'm th- just not sure who else is out there really. And I think it's tough too that so many different teams around the league have wildly different views of how valuable the number one pick is. Whereas yeah. like in a surefire, you you, like you're going to have to deal with a certain, only a certain fraction of teams. Is it probably going to be like, you know, eight to 10 teams who actually value the number one pick enough? Cause they, cause they really like a guy to, to entertain your offers. Cause some people are just going to be like, well, you know, we're, we're happy at eight or we're happy at 14 because we're not trading any real assets to, to take the number one pick when we don't even believe in the in the top three guys. Yeah, and I that's definitely something to monitor. I think, and and we'll get more chatter as as we get closer to the draft and and, and that type of thing. But I also think too that you know if Minnesota is gonna is gonna make a trade, I think it's definitely gonna be a three team trade. Um, yeah, that's the best way to get multiple assets in and to to send assets. Especially if it's for a start, like the Ben Simmons one we discussed before, I think that's the best trade I've seen. The one that actually I actually think that could work, like where it's you know a team like Philly gets multiple assets from different teams. And Philly, I think Philly is the first team that says yes to that trade. In my yeah, opinion, yeah, uh, yeah, because Minnesota don't have they have the number one pick, 
But outside of that, they just do not have enough really good assets to, to swing for a star. But other teams do, and they have assets that teams do want. Like a Malik Beasley or a, or a Culver or, or the 17th pick or a future first-round pick. Like They're all fine assets, for assets that can net you things in a trade. But if you can kind of spread them out between two different teams... And and the, and you know one of those other teams, those other two teams can can work assets between themselves as well. That gives Minnesota so much more of a chance to to swing a deal. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if uh, there's a certain team out there that sees Jared Culver as like a buy low guy. Oh, for sure. That's that's what he is in my mind. I mean, I don't think uh, we've seen so many examples of of players, even if Jared Culver continues to be bad for the rest of his career. We've seen so many examples of, of those players getting traded for multiple times. I mean, like Dennis Smith Jr., Stanley Johnson, like there are the old guys who really flamed out and they still are on NBA teams and they still got traded for, for you know, decent, not not big assets, but they still got, their their former teams still got things in return for them. And, and Jarrett Culver's one year removed from being the sixth pick in the draft and Outside of terrible shooting, I don't think he was really, really bad. I think we just think he was worse because we expected so much from him. Yeah, that's fair. I still think that he wasn't very good around the rim either, and that would have. Oh no! I think more. he got to the. I think he got to the rim well. He just could not finish. Yeah, and and I don't know if there's any luck adjusted metrics or, or things like that out there, but a miss is a miss at the end of the day, and like, yeah. Um, and yeah, but yeah, like Oklahoma City, I think there are a lot of Oklahoma City fans saying like when I tweeted that last night saying, oh, why the hell would Oklahoma City want a guy like Jerk Culver? And it's like, well, Jerk Culver would play much better in a four round one or like a three out two in that Oklahoma City does. Uh, Jerk Culver might almost be the best wing on their team. Apart from Dort, maybe. Yeah, but like, he would be the, he would definitely be are, the best wing outside of Dort. They are so shallow. They're so shallow on the wing. Like, Jerk Culver might start for them and if he improves, like all of a sudden he's their best wing, clearly. Yeah, I I agree with that, and I think Oklahoma City. I I still think Oklahoma City would do that deal. I don't know. I think all three teams would do that deal, and there's and there's definitely reason reason to believe both teams would 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 really be interested in doing it. So yeah, I think I think we need to get like someone to slip a screenshot of that onto like Gerson and Rose's office desk just to give him the idea <laughs> because that's that's the one for me. Like I'm. I hate fake trades because I get myself hyped up for them when they're never going to happen. Like they might, but but the odds of you know a three team deal including six players and and three picks actually happening the exact way we all plan it and, and dream for it is pretty unlikely. But something along those lines of three teams, multiple picks, Beasley sign and trade, you know, that's that's the realm that I'm looking at for potential trades. Yeah. That's and and that's definitely the most likely formula too. So yeah. Uh, so so do you think like just off topic? Um, what what like how likely do you think it is that the Beasley's uh, dealt after after you know in a sign and trade type of deal this this off season? Um, I think it all depends on whether you think a sign and trade is actually going to happen. If a sign and trade does happen, I think the chances are probably like ninety five percent. Uh, yeah, but do you think they they'll be looking into signing and trading him, or do you think they're pretty set signing him and, and bringing oh, him back? Oh no, either? I think that they would love to get rid of him because they know he's gonna. Well, maybe not love to get rid of him, but I think being able to to trade that guy before he's played a minute on his new contract 
yeah. I think would be really interesting. Like he's definitely still going to be a good player. I, I don't think there's any, there's any doubt about that, but you know, there's a whole different thing for a guy that's on like a $3 million deal putting up 20, you know, 20, 50 and 40, like 20 points and then 50, 40 splits. Um, for 15 games like I on that on a three year or three million dollar deal is a lot different than that on like a 15 million dollar deal so yeah there, there's a real chance that his value never gets higher than it is right now especially once he signs oh, uh, I agree. 12 to 15 I totally million agree. dollar deal like he might not ever and he's his numbers are unsustainable i think he'll like you said the same thing i think he'll still be a good player but he will not shoot 42 percent on nine threes a game next year and i'll put my house on it and he might not ever shoot that again. And I love Beasley as a shooter, but that's Steph Curry numbers. Like, so he, the, the value he has right now, especially if a team is watching him and thinking, wow, we could really, you know, do with Beasley on the wing and, and his shooting presence. That, that's all it takes. All it takes in all of these scenarios is just one GM to fall in love with a player, be it Beasley, Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, like that's what Minnesota really needs is, is another GM to fall in love with a player so Minnesota can kind of swindle them a little bit. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, you know, hopefully it's a guy like Malik Beasley or Jarrett Culver or someone like that. Um, but it'll just be so interesting to see, you know, what the rumblings are, what the leaks end up being, um, and how that works. Because I don't think that because we're not going to be able to have any trades until this season's done. So yeah. so we won't have anything for sure until at least the second week of October. But um, but it'll be interesting to see what leaks end up coming out once once some of these teams start getting eliminated. Yeah, and I, I really wish that we didn't have to wait so long for the draft. I mean, this is all fun, you know, fun and games to... To speculate what could happen with his number one pick, but it's so far away still. I mean, it's just everything's just been stretched out so much, which is obviously understandable. But even in 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 John Krasinski's latest article with the Athletic, he speculated that the draft might not even be you know set in stone for the for the date that they oh, have it. Which I, I, think I, is, I don't think it is, and the reason which is mid October. Yeah, is the reason being is because if if they end up pushing free agency back, which I think they end up, I think I think they ultimately will. Uh, Why do you think they will though? I, I kind of don't understand the because they're the going to push the season because they're going to push the season back. Like I and I think that teams are just going to want more time to kind of decompress after yeah. the league year officially ends and, and potentially uh, you know figure out finances and and hopefully get and I think a better idea of what the finances are going to look like next season. Right, and I think part of the reason why it was so stacked up was because they really wanted to try and have the season start at you know, December 1st, but that's obviously not going to happen. I don't even think we're going to get a December start at all. I think it's going to have to be a January, February or March start. Yeah. I don't think we see the new season this year. Um, And so because of that, I think that you're looking at, if I were the players union and and I haven't read John's article, so I I don't, I'm not quite sure what it said, but it was, yeah, it was just a small line. Like if they, you know, when the draft the draft is on for this date, you know, if they even decide to do the draft on that day, it was kind of just like a, a small speculation, but it does make sense with the, with the reasons you gave. Yeah, my guess, my guess probably would just be that like the players' union wants 
a sense of financial security and wants to know that what the finances are going to end up looking like before these guys agree to different deals. And I, which I think is smart because yeah, I, it just doesn't make any sense for, you know, it just doesn't make any sense for guys to, to sign contracts if they, if they aren't sure of what the, of what the, you know, the financial landscape is going to look like. And, and I sure as And it doesn't it. make sense for teams to sign. Like, it doesn't make sense to, for Minnesota to sign Malik Beasley to a $15 million deal if the cap's going to drop $10 million next season. Like, it's it's the kind of thing where it's just all up in the air until these finances get sorted. Yeah, and, and I think ultimately what's going to end up happening is that the draft gets pushed back and free agency gets pushed back into November. Um, yeah. And then... Like yeah, like I said, so free agency gets pushed back into into November probably, and then the draft. I would think the draft probably is like beginning of November or beginning of November or very end of October. I don't know. I don't know what the date that the set date is right now. Is it like October seventeenth or something like that? Uh yeah, I think it's I think it's yeah like late October. Let me let me Google it. Um, yeah, I I can't imagine that it would get pushed back that far, but um. I could understand. 16th, yeah, sixteenth of October. Yeah, I could understand them pushing it back a few weeks. Um, yeah, well, it can't. You know, when it can't hurt really. Like, there's nothing else on, so you may like. If it helps the league in any way, they're going to do it. Like, they they'd love to start basketball on December first, but if it helps the league potentially get fans in for even a, you know the last month of the season and the playoffs because they started a month later, then they're going to do that, and that makes perfect sense. Oh, for sure, for sure. And yeah, so have you got one more growl before we? I've got one here. Um, I was just going to say that we might not end up having enough assets for a star. Like if Ben Simmons, rec- yeah, yeah, if the Sixers trade Ben Simmons, like, sure, we have the number one pick. But if the Sixers don't love Lamelo or or Anthony Edwards, um, you know, how does that shake out? And it's yeah, and it's different. It's it's different with Booker because. The, the thought process has always been, well, if Booker wants out, they'll trade him to Minnesota because that's where his friends are and that's where he potentially would want to play. Whereas Ben Simmons, I know Ben Simmons is close with Cat and D'Lo and, and has always been a, a kind of around that group, but he doesn't have that same sort of like, if Ben Simmons is available, 29 teams are going to make an offer for him and there's no incentive for Philadelphia to be like, well, let's trade him to Minnesota. Like, especially when they don't have the assets for it. Yeah, I, you know, I think I think on some level they have the assets to to do something, um, but I I don't think that they could necessarily put together the best offer. But at the same time, like, do you think Golden State's really going to try and gun for Ben Simmons? No, I I, I couldn't see it. I mean, even then, Golden State are in the position where if if they're going for a really good player, they still have to give up one of their like. Are they not going to get Ben Simmons for pick number two and? you know, Marquise Chris or Andrew Wiggins. Like, they still have to give up Clay Thompson, probably, and that I would highly doubt they would do that just because he's a legend of the franchise. Like, it seems more likely that maybe another team, you know, the someone, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but, like, a Denver or someone could get into a deal like that, which I'm not sure they would, but Denver seemed like, you know, a team that, like, could definitely take the next... They could they could swing for a star with a, with a Murray... Or, uh, you know, MPJ, which might seem unlikely because he's breaking out as well. But 
it just, yeah, it seems, I don't know, it seems unlikely that Minnesota have the assets, but then when you think you're in the lead, like, they do have a fairly sizable asset collection. Yeah, they really do. Um, it, and the number one pick is a, is a shiny, tasty cherry on top. Yeah, but the, the only downside is, like, I, f- I feel like you probably have to do it this summer because you have to make that work with Malik Beasley. Yeah. Um, and it's tough too because yeah. you'd have to you have can't risk, you can't risk Beasley signing fifteen million dollars a year and then not being good next season and then, because then all of that is gone. And then the other aspect of that is that you know you're gonna have to trade you're gonna have to draft for them. Yeah. So you're gonna have to just draft and hope that that's the right guy or have a trade in place ahead of time, which could be interesting and if there's enough time in between the draft and whenever that you know whenever that free agency period starts like who knows maybe that team gets cold feet or decides like we don't want to do this anymore or gets approached with a different offer and then the Timberwolves are kind of shit out of luck with Malik Beasley and Anthony Edwards because then what if the team that you're dealing with wanted LaMelo Ball and you can't give them LaMelo Ball yeah. um yeah so it's it's a whole debacle and and it'll just be really interesting to to see how all that shakes out for sure. Yeah, it's it's all it's all obviously well into the future or, or well out of our pay grade to to come up with these decisions. But it's certainly interesting. It's it's added a lot of spice to the off season and, and a lot of extra content, extra things to think about. And, and I'm grateful for that. Um, oh, I have one more, which one hundred percent. Yeah, I have one more, which is kind of. Um, a different one, I guess, now that I think about it. But if they are to pick at number one or to, to trade the pick for for a player and not to move back, um, I still think it'll hurt to watch watch my guys like Devin Vassell and Isaac Okoro really become great role players, I think, on a team. You know, even Vassell, I think, can be a, a third option on a team and a great defender. Um, it's... They're, they're, if they don't trade back, they're, they're virtually no chance of being selected by the Wolves. But I just think, yeah, uh, they're, they're players that I love to watch. And I guess it's the the downside of really doing a lot of draft work is that you, you get connected to players who are probably never going to end up on your team. Like, you know, at least 57 players in the draft are going to end up on Minnesota. So, of course, I'm going to like a lot of guys that, that don't end up with the Wolves, but it'll hurt to watch Devin Vassell wreaking havoc on, on defense for another team. Yeah, I think, too, that, you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, with how spread out and scattered these teams are on some of these different guys, um, yeah, yeah. you know, who knows? I mean, maybe you trade with New York at eight, and Devin Vassell is, is still there at eight. Um, I, I mean, we really just have no idea where how it's going to shake out, and I think that made makes the um, – I just think that makes the – the trade landscape surrounding the draft so much riskier and more interesting. And like, if you, if you make a nuts on the table move like that, um, and it works out, then, I mean, that's pretty incredible. But yeah, if, but if you are banking on like Devin Vassell or Killian Hayes being there at eight and you don't have a guy like a Koro or a Kongwu that you can take and you have to start looking kind of down that list and you're probably not going to be able to uh, you know trade back again um you know it's kind of like when you lose a bet and you chase it and you try and make the money back yeah. right away um yeah. where it could just <laughs> it 
could just be a, a dumpster fire if you... I mean, depending on what the other aspect of the trade back is, like if you get another pick next year or something like that, then maybe that quells some of the concerns. But um, if you get trade Cunning, if you end up with trade Cunningham, every concern <laughs> in the world is quelled. Yeah, I don't that's think my, that's I don't think the, the only thing are, I'm looking for. I don't think the Timberwolves are going to win the draft lottery twice in a row. Like I just, no. I think the NBA, if that happened, the NBA would be like, all right. Uh, fuck this. We got to reload this. Uh, we got to reload this, these ping pong balls, but <laughs> yeah, they'll just scrap it and like, they'll just play it on tape delay and scrap it and do it again. I don't, I'm going to look that up. If it was actually, if any teams ever won it twice in a row. Yeah. Ah, uh, at the top of my head, I don't think so. I know Cleveland were a few years apart. I can't think. I mean, Minnesota, you know, I technically did because I got Andrew Wiggins, but that was well after the the actual. They did draft win the draft happened. lottery twice in a row. Or the the Orlando Magic did. Um, uh, was it Shaq and Penny? No, did Penny go first? Yeah. It would have been Shaq for sure. Yeah, that was. It's not saying here, but it was a Bleacher Report article. They won the 1992 draft lottery. That's um, yeah. That's Shaq, I think ninety two. Yeah, and then okay, yeah. So then the second of the two was the year after, and they they selected Chris Webber number one, but they traded him to uh, the Warriors for Penny Hardaway. Oh yeah, well that that's hidden home runs right there. Yeah. So so we <laughs> so that's what we need. That's all we need is just to, just to win the draft lottery twice. Yeah, <laughs> and then you have then you have the finals right there. <laughs> yeah, well, my 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 ultimate evil plan is just to trade and try and get New York's number one pick next year, and then Minnesota are bad again, and then they get number one and two next year. That's the dream. Jonathan Kaminga <laughs> and Kate Cunningham next to Townsend Russell. Yeah, they need to figure out a way to get a second pick next year. But yeah, yeah, that, I think that's definitely before we we wrap it up. I think that's definitely would be high on their their list of things to do is get in back into next year. Even if it's like in the middle of next year's draft, I just don't think they can I don't think they have the team right now unless they trade for a star to be missing out on, on drafts. Yeah, so before we go, I'd say what what's your optimal solution here? Um so my preferences would be to make a trade, but it'd have to be someone of at least you know, fringe all-star caliber. Uh, uh, you need someone who can be the th- at least the third banana on this team. So, unless you can find, unless if you can find that, you make the trade, you give up the pick, you give up Culver, you sign and trade Beasley, whatever you need to do to bring in that guy who's going to be at least the third option, maybe even the second option if it's a Simmons or a or a Booker, or, or in their case, you know, Booker's case probably the first option. But like, you 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 try and make the trade. After that, I think well, you try and make the trade for a, for a player. I think after that, you try and trade down, get an asset, and get a pick into ne- in next year's draft or or one or the other. And then third option is draft someone and probably Hayes or Edwards. Yeah. So I think my my first choice would be as crazy as this sounds, Ben Simmons. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, yeah. If I if I um. If we're talking specific players, Ben Simmons is my first option too. Him, okay. he would cover so many holes on defense and the shooting, playing next to a, a shooting center like Cat and a bunch of shooters like Russell, like it's not the same situation that he's in Philly. 
Like Minnesota right now have a ton of shooters and they could get more. Like so, if we're choosing between Simmons and Booker, Booker's the better player probably, like at a push. But Simmons is the is the guy I'd want. Yeah, I agree, I agree with that completely. Um, so that's probably option A for me, assuming that you know the the deal is fair and we're able to to do it just by just by using the number one pick and, and Malik and, and maybe JC and a future first or something like that. Something that's a reasonable and fair deal. And then after that, I would say, I would say probably trading back um, like that Knicks deal, that Knicks and Golden State deal that I described, you know, yeah. would be, would be incredible. Um, I, like, cause then that way, if you don't make the playoffs next year, you're going to get a really good guy that would probably be top five this year. That's probably going to be top 15 next year. Um, yeah. if that makes sense. And yeah. then, and then like you, I would say actually making the pick would be, would be probably my third option followed by, you know, worst case scenario is, is you end up trading back and then the guy that you select isn't like, it just isn't a fit and, and you kind of force it. Um, yeah. Like a Cole Anthony or somebody or somebody like, I don't know, just somebody like that, that I, I don't think would fit great in Minnesota um, or, or like, a I don't even know, we can get into it at a later point, but so, yeah. but, but something like that, kind of what I was talking about, where like you make your bet, you lose $20 and then you put $20 on something else to try and win it back and that doesn't work. And then, you're just kind of sputtering. Um, so, yeah. so I would hope that, that there's nothing like that that happens, but I mean, who really knows at this point, man, like there's so yeah, many things that could happen. So and this front office is so creative. They've already shown that they're, they'll, they'll open every door and, and pick their head through to see what they can, they can find in there. So and even if there's <laughs> any little advantage that they can gain, uh, through the trade market, they're absolutely going to look to explore that. Um, yeah. And, and you saw that last year with, you know, with the whole four team trade <laughs> that was just, yeah. Um, the whole roster getting moved was, in yeah, about was three just, hours. That was such a surreal thing where it was just like Shams and Woj going back to back, like each adding one guy to the pot, like, oh, yeah, Shabazz yeah. Napier's gone. Noah Mosley's yeah. gone. Um, and late at night over there as well. Like, I, I think it was like four o'clock over here. Like, I just got home from work. So it would have been I, late night. I think, over there yeah, because well. I, I was in Boston. I remember it happening at like eleven o'clock at night on the East Coast. So yeah. it's probably what, like, I don't know, thirteen hours behind you, something like yeah. that, or, or eleven hours behind you. I don't know how to do math or time zones, but <laughs> but yeah, no, it was late at night, and all my friends were just texting me like, <laughs> just like, what, what the is hell going is on? going on? Yeah, yeah, and I it loved was... it too because I was so sick of watching that team. <laughs> I think yeah, I think everybody was, dude. It was, oh, it was nuts. But here's to hoping this year will be better. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. I'm sure we will. We'll cover this number one pick and, and all the picks. Uh, probably way too much before the actual draft <laughs> gets here. But um, yeah, we'll we'll leave it at that. Um, thanks as usual, Jack, for coming on. You can find Jack on Twitter at uh, jborman13. He writes at Canis Hoopers, so, so go check out all of his stuff over there. And Jack, yeah, thanks for coming on, dude. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate it. All right, everyone else, like, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff, and I'll see you guys next week.